Yes. And we are recording with Commander Robert Green, or Rob, on Sunday, July 23rd, 2023 at 2.04 p.m. Eastern Time. And as I was telling you beforehand, and, and anyone that watched this podcast remotely often knows, I never shut up about my oldest brother, John. Today would be his 37th birthday, and so we're actually going to touch on uh, on suicide and veterans. But um, guys, if you want, you can go into the description and grab the book, Defending the Constitution. And um, it is on Audible, so as someone that has to burn through books all the time for guests, I always appreciate when a book is on Audible and I don't have to sit down because I've I've had guests before that are like, yeah, the book's not on Audible, and I'll just be like, I, man, I don't think we can do this show. <laughs> I got I got too much stuff going on. But um, Rob, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely, Tommy. Thank you for having me on. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Uh, there's some important stuff we're going to talk about. Um, but for background for your audience on me, I'm an active duty Navy commander. Uh, I was a, a destroyer sailor, a Naval Academy graduate. Um, my uh, most recently was the executive officer of a maritime security squadron, about 650 people. Uh, and that's about where the story picks up and gets interesting for uh, from the perspective of what your audience might be interested in. But um, you know, I, I got fired from that position for standing up to the COVID-19 uh, mandates, testing mandates, the, uh, the masking, and of course the vaccine itself. Um, I was you know, set aside, exiled for about seven months. They didn't know what to do with us, um, planning to kick us out, either court-martial or uh, involuntarily separate me and, and tons of others. They got a lot of those people out before we started winning in court. Um, put a stop to it, and ultimately builds enough consensus that the the Congress stepped in to put a stop to the mandate for the military. But the fight's not over; it it goes on. There are shadow policies existing right now in the U.S. military. Uh, the people who have been harmed and hurt in many ways, we'll discuss some of that. Uh, they they have not been made whole. Um, the DoD uh, they're beholden to politics. The most senior leaders in the military, and I will name names because I do it in the book, and I'll do it with you. Uh, they they are uh, following the whims of politics and protecting their own careers before they're deciding to do the right thing. Um, and so we're seeing some pretty egregious nonsense that we have to get out in the open. We got to chat about. So I'm grateful to be here with you. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, I see your podcast has taken off uh, and I'm, I'm grateful that you give me the opportunity to speak. Well, thank you, sir. It's a long, slow, steady and uh, undescribably painful <laughs> path building this podcast you know it looks cool it looks cool in hindsight but i mean yeah um what i did think was was maybe most cool has how you open up and you know concerning bodily autonomy and and medical treatment i had no idea i mean in this country really goes back to the founding fathers like that's you know i like i always because you know because i'm a cocky idiot i always like to think that i'm somewhat well-read and then I get smacked in the face with something I I had no idea about. Could you maybe touch on that? How this? I mean, this goes back to the 1700s. It does. Uh, it does. And um, one of the things that that I try to discuss in the book, I try to start with the founding fathers. I tie in the founding fathers into every chapter of the book. Uh, something they experienced, a quote from them, tie it into something that we're experiencing now. Um, and you know, we understand a lot more about medicine, the human body now, than what our founding fathers did back then. Uh, but the British, when they were doing their slow encroachment into the colonial Americans' lives and trying to control every aspect of their lives, tax them, uh, control them, you know, quell any dissent, uh, well, we're certainly seeing that now. But what they were doing, uh, one of the things they did that pushed everybody over the edge uh, was they uh, initiated the Quartering Act. Mm. And the Quartering Act, um, as, as you read the book and for your audience, the Quartering Act is uh, where uh, they, they asserted a right to house British troops in the homes of colonial Americans, uh, to house and quarter them. Uh, and so um, the colonial Americans decided that, hey, th this, is, this is a bridge too far. It's a line in the sand. You know, there is no further line of retreat for them. And so you know, they pushed back. It was one of the things that uh, got uh, the, the, all the colonies to join together and, and push back against the British. Um, and so that's the situation we're in now. And when when they did end up winning that war and eventually getting to the Constitution, they actually wrote an amendment into the Bill of Rights, the Third Amendment, 
And uh, the Third Amendment is is pretty simple. It's never been adjudicated in court. Like it's it's never been brought up. It's never there's never been a a lawsuit that has challenged anything about the Third Amendment because it, it seems so um, so simple. It's it's so important now. Like and we would not imagine we couldn't imagine our government housing troops in our homes. Well, the Third Amendment very explicit, explicitly says that you know you cannot do this. Uh, except, uh, you know, under specific situations where it's uh, where it's written into law. And so um, and so that's that's where we're at now. And, and I assert in the book that had the British been chasing colonial Americans down with medical treatments they did not want or need, you better believe they were they would have written an amendment in the Constitution specifically protecting individual medical freedoms. That obviously didn't happen back then. Um, from the British. And so, you know, that's that's the situation we're in now. We're at the last line of defense. We're at our bodily integrity. There is no other place to retreat. If we don't, you know, get to decide what medical treatments, you know, we will accept for ourselves, if we don't get to have the say in our individual risk analysis, there is no other place to go for ind- individual liberty. Um, and the Constitution is essentially dead. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a funny meme where it's uh, the Joker from uh, the Dark uh, Dark Knight with Christian Bale, right? And uh, he's he's got the he's got his like purple corduroy jacket or whatever, and he you know he opens it up during the mob meeting. He's got all these grenades tied to one another, and with one string going out to his finger. And there's a great meme I saw in 2020, and it was like them. How serious are you about not getting this vaccine? And then it was like me. <laughs> it was like holding this thing, but really that's what it does come to, right? I mean, I got banned from YouTube. I got. I was I didn't get banned from iTunes. I was just a never allowed on, which I didn't even know was possible. You know, I've been IP banned from Reddit. I've been banned from Twitter and then I got put back on Twitter. All things that are you know, they suck, they hurt, but you keep moving forward and whatever. But your own body really is man, it is like the final you know, you're you're in the center of NORAD. They they've opened every vault door. There's nothing left. And if you don't have that, then no, you don't have anything. And I think that's why so many people planted their feet firmly there. Yeah, I mean, we, we drew a line in the sand. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and from you know looking at the other side, I, you know, I, I always like to think of these as operational battle problems. So I put myself in the in the enemy's camp sure. and think like them. And if I wanted to exert control, if I wanted to um, ensure that that you know we had all the power and could make the world the way we wanted it if i thought like a globalist um bodily autonomy would be the final frontier yeah and we are finally exploring that you know we would finally be able to to exert some control you know you know you probably are familiar with fifth generation warfare um and so using the tools of of that style of warfare we you know if if i were a globalist and if i were trying to to do this with the federal government hey we We've made some great strides, right? We we're we're there. We're at that final frontier, um, and so that's why it is the very last place we have to fight here. We've got to band together and push back against this tyranny. Well, yeah, it is the it is the final thing that if you can break the will of that, well, then you can just roll out anything. If you've broken the oh, yeah. will of the individual of the of the wall of your epidermis versus all of reality, if you've broken you know that safe haven. I mean, there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to take. You've won. And it, you know, just like post 9-11, it's, you have, I was 11 years old when that happened. And so when, you know, what I vaguely remember as like the Patriot Act, of course I had the 11 year old argument of like, well, if we've got nothing to hide, what's the problem? Right. All right. And I get it. Wild attack, right? You're leaving just like the utopia of the nineties to all of a sudden you got jetliners hitting the world trade center and the Pentagon. Okay, sure. I get that initial fear, and then you're looking at, well, how do we how do we stop this? You're always going to overcorrect. You know, well, well, the you know the agencies weren't weren't communicating. Well, then we have to have something that's sweeping, and so there's so much information. The NSA has to. All right, yeah, I get that. But as more and more time goes on, and you start to view it, and you go, really, nothing has nothing good has come from that, and you go, well, how did we not see that? Well, in 20 years, I can only imagine there's going to be someone going, yeah, I don't really remember COVID, but yeah, I just remember it was very simple. Like, I don't want to kill grandma. So you take the shot and time will pass. 
and we'll look back at this and go, nothing really good came from that. But there's there's really no undoing these sweeping national security acts. You you they're never gonna relent that. It's just there now. Is that correct? Well, it's like a bully, right? Um, if you take a step back from a bully, the bully is going to fill that space. Yeah. Right. And so you, you can't you can't give any ground. Yeah. And that's that's where we're at right now. Is um, you know we have started pushing back and we've started getting some wins, and so many of us are are deciding to step into that space when the bully gets knocked back. Um, and that's where I'm at right now. Um, and you know you you speak about censorship, and I'm I'm really glad you do because um, what they've done with me has been a pretty weird situation. Um, I've filed mutiny complaints against, you know, three and four star admirals in the Navy. Uh, and, you know, rather than address anything in the complaint, and I laid out, you know, I, I studied uh, UCMJ and the law and how it applies and what they did. And we had evidence via emails um, that what these particular admirals did, uh, in this case, Admiral Christopher Grady, who was my commander, and now the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, by the way, kept getting promoted. Um, so they dismissed these, these complaints, they ignored them and then set us aside, right? They did not want to, um, they didn't want to give us a bigger platform. They didn't want to speak to us about it. And that's the situation we find ourselves in now in any normal situation, you have a, you know, a much more junior officer in your organization speaking out, calling you out by name for breaking the law, which you did then you would expect something to happen. You would expect them to say something to me, hey, cool it, um, you know, let's talk about this. But, you know, we have them on the details. They did break the law. They broke the, the law governing uh, FDA-approved products. They broke the law um, for protecting religious expression, for, t- uh, pr- for protecting religious liberty in the military. They, they, I think they broke the law under the UCMJ, a few of them for mutiny. And so, um, you know, what, what they've done, you know, it's a form of censorship. They will not address any of these details. They won't discuss them with us. Um, they try not to in any way, you know, those of us who've been aggressive stepping into the bullies space, they have not given us a platform, uh, by, by harming us in any way, but they will go after any of the junior members and they'll do some egregious things to them. And I'll discuss some of that uh, on the show with you today. Um, but those of us who might help get the word out, you know, by, you know, if they fired me and kicked me out of the Navy, then, you know, that's, that's a story that even mainstream media might be interested in. So they don't want to do those kinds of things. And so it's a form of censorship. They won't want to discuss it. They did not. We filed tons of internal memoranda, reports, complaints. Uh, anything to get them to address these details. And so at this point, we've got to go outside the organization and wake up the American people because these people will not, our leaders, the the most senior, you know, generals and admirals in in the DOD will not do the right thing. They will not dig in on this issue. They are going to protect their careers first. And I mean, then there's the precedent or even if it's not written into law, there's i guess like the unwritten precedent uh, is if no one you know if no one steps up in 10 years we'll be like well we did this back then you know and it'll be 2033 they'll be like well you know we did this with covid shots no it wasn't written into law but you know it's it's kind of what we do right and it's it, it's not written into law but at the same time it's like there is just the precedent right it's like we've we haven't declared war since world war ii okay but you know, imagine saying that to somebody in 1945. They'd be like, "Okay, well, it's not it's not written down, but you know, we're gonna declare a war." And, well, and then you got Korea and Nam, and you keep going forward, and you go, "Oh, it's been almost 80 years, and no one bats an eye because it's well, it's just kind of the thing we do, right?" And yeah, I think there's some real problems with that. And then with censorship, I mean, I kind of don't even get worked up about it anymore because it's just been like three years of me screaming about it like an unhinged person that. Now, when it comes up, they're like, you know, the U.S. government was working with big tech. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, I've, I was talking about it in 2020. I was like, you know, I have an idea that years from now it's going to come out that the U.S. government was using these different companies kind of like little puppets. And they were going to do what they were going to be told in turn for not being broken up as a, you know, under monopoly laws. People are like, all right, dude, you know, stop walk, uh, watching Alex Jones. And then you three years later, we're here and there's no like, oh, you were right. It's like, 
well, given it was during an emergency. And it's like, no, man, you, you can't say that. So it is important to, to stand up now and realize that, yeah, a lot of people just, you know, go along to get along. They're protecting their careers. Why, why do the right thing? You know, you get another star, whatever. What do you, you get further, you get to an inner ring in the Pentagon. Why would you care? Well, until it turns out that these are extremely dangerous shots, right? If these, if the side effect was like, you know, every thousandth person, like, their big toenail fell off or something, there'd probably be no repercussions. People would look at you and me and be like, hey, you guys freaked out over nothing. But the the repercussions of this are, you know, foot-long blood clots that look like calamari, eight-month-olds having heart attacks, you know, really normal stuff. And they don't want to make ripples. They don't want to fire you, right? Because that, that's a big thing. They just want they just want to censor you. And they don't even need to censor anyone. You censor enough people, everyone else, they get the idea. You're, you know, you're a YouTuber. You, you're making a, you know, a pretty penny on there. And you see Bob's podcast get censored. You're going to shut your mouth. Yeah, what do I care? I, I just... I just review iPhones. It comes for you all. It will come for you all. And yeah, can we go into the uh, to the the mutiny charge? Yeah, certainly. Um, so under UCMJ, um, and I was doing research in the in in the manual for court martial. There's three things required to be able to charge somebody with mutiny. First, they have to break uh, a law or uh, an order. Uh, given to them by a superior. They've got to do that in concert with someone else. And then it, they have to try to uh, usurp the authority of a higher uh, military uh, member or uh, authority, essentially. Assert, assert, uh, usurp and try to take over their authority. Um, and so in the case of Admiral Christopher Grady, he gave an order to take the COVID-19 vaccine uh, and then he did so without any acknowledgement of, uh, of the fact that there were no fully licensed products available for service members. All right. And they, they actually, his, his deputy commander actually sent an email out acknowledging the fact that there were questions surrounding this. Well, what about the differences between the EUA product, the emergency use authorized product, and the fully licensed product? Uh, and they said, well, uh, and this is the in concert part. They said, well, the Surgeon General of the Navy just wrote this memorandum saying there's no difference between the two, so go get it. Well, hang on. The FDA themselves said that there is a they are legally distinct, right? It doesn't matter if they're essentially the same thing. There are laws that govern emergency use authorized products that waive all kinds of requirements that are normally required for a fully licensed product. It waives good manufacturing processes, it waives um, it, it waives the testing timelines and, and it waives testing requirements. It waives all kinds of stuff. So you essentially have something that does not even have to be effective. It just has to have the chance to be effective. And that's the kind of laws that are waived by, you know, by them producing an EUA product rather than a fully licensed product. And your audience is probably pretty familiar with that having, you know, talked to, you know, I look back at some of the people you've inter interviewed. So I'm not going to get further into that. So, you know, so he violated the law. He gave an order that violated the law. He did that in concert with the with the Surgeon General. And then the third thing is he said, essentially, uh, I'm mandating this product regardless of the fact that it's an EUA. Well, the, the only person, according to law, who can do that is the President of the United States. The President of the United States, in accordance with uh, 10 U.S. Code 1107 Alpha, that's the law that governs this, he can waive the right to inform service members of, of their right to uh, accept or refuse the product. Um, and uh, he's the only person who can do that. He has to do that in writing. And so Admiral Christopher Grady essentially assumed that authority, took it from the president of the United States, who is the commander in chief of the military. He's the highest ranking you know, military official we have. Um, and so those three things are met by Admiral Christopher Grady. You know, in, in a different administration, he could be charged with, I mean, he could be charged under this administration. Frankly, President Biden should be unhappy that he assumed this authority that is only the president's. But he gave an unlawful order. He did so in concert with someone else, and he attempted to usurp the president's authority. And so those three things were met. 
he could be charged with mutiny. Him and every other officer uh, in, in all branches of the service who did those three things, uh, they could be charged with mutiny. And so I, I, deal, I detail that in, in the book. Um, I think I do that in the chapter called The Nuremberg Shrug. And so, um, you know, for your audience, uh, I think that's really important because what happened with the military, and, and you talked about it, you, know, you can't unring this bell, right? Once they do something, it just becomes assumed. And so our military for so long has shrugged their shoulders and said, hey, I'm just following orders. In the Navy, we have this thing called the ensign shrug, right? It's, it's just a, it, it's a funny name for you know, the ensign is the lowest ranking officer in the Navy. Uh, they don't really know much, basically just out of college, um, just commissioned. And so the, the commanding officers and, and senior deck plate leaders in the Navy, usually a chief petty officer, take the ensign under their wing, teach them something uh, so that they can actually go lead and, and understand what they're doing. Um, but until they understand you know, what they're doing and how to lead and, and what all the systems are aboard a ship, you know, they're typically giving the instant shrug when they're faced with things they don't understand. And so all of our senior military leaders were doing that. Um, they were giving the Nuremberg shrug and saying, hey, I'm just following orders. And um, and so it's important to understand that, that that is not a valid excuse. You have an obligation, you know, all you officers, all you senior enlisted members, you have an obligation to understand whether a order that you are given and an order that you pass along is lawful or not. You cannot just say, hey, I'm just following orders. You've got to make sure that it is lawful, that it doesn't violate the Constitution, and it doesn't violate the rights of those uh, under your charge. Um, and, and our military has abandoned that and has for some time. And so that that's where we're at right now. They're still giving the Nuremberg Shrug. Yeah, I mean, the Miley Massacre, right? Somebody has to do the right thing. No one wants right. to because it's so much easier to just go along. But someone has to. I didn't know that, that you had to do it in concert. Is, is, that, is that so like that implies a, a conspiracy, like a conspiracy to overthrow? Yeah, I, I think it's the difference between that and just, um, uh, you know. recklessness. Right, or... Um, yeah, so it's it's specific to the mutiny portion of that, as opposed to uh, disobeying a lawful order. Um, you know, those other two elements uh, add add to it, make the mutiny uh, a much more serious charge because you're 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 doing it with other people, not just you on your own, and you're trying to usurp somebody else's authority. Right? Think on the ship. You know, you're you're killing the captain and taking over. Yeah. Making it a privateer vessel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't had that problem in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, but in but in this case, when we were talking about individual constitutional rights and the obligation that, you know, that our senior officers have to protect individual constitutional rights. Well, you know, they committed mutiny. Just kind of wild question from left field. What would happen if someone actually tried to, like, overthrow an aircraft carrier today? Do you think they'd just be shot? Just I'm sorry, just do stupid civilian question. Like, would it just be like would it just be snuffed out so quick? Well, I mean, they they have uh, you know they have garrisons of yeah. uh, of troops there to, yeah. to and you know there's yeah I, it's not going to happen. It would just be pops. It would just be so be like me versus Mike Tyson. <laughs> like, all right, Mike, put him up and just wake up in the ICU. Yeah, that's probably what it would be like. Um, so I'm just kind of more focus on it because it's just an, such an interesting thing to talk about mutiny in 2023. Um, so if it's in concert with the Surgeon General, now, they're not necessarily, they're not in the Navy, though. So why, why, so why the does Navy, that So the Navy Surgeon General... Oh, you're talking about Navy. Naval Surgeon... Okay, I was I thought you were talking about... Yeah. All right. Yeah, and so he, he's a two-star admiral. Oh, all right. I think recently retired. So these, these folks are, are heading for the hills as fast as possible. It's what it seems like to me. Now, are there going to be any repercussions from this? I mean, are, are so many people going to kind of continue to shrug? It's like, yeah, well, you know, whatever. That was a weird time. COVID was a weird time. Just like you can look back and be like, listen, man, planes were hitting towers. It was a weird thing. Everyone kind of freaked out, right? They, I think it was um, John Poindexter was an admiral who was brought back on by the NSA like a couple days after 9-11 I think he had been like dishonorably I could I don't want to like slander him I don't I don't know what the exact it was in uh, James Bamford's uh, shadow of uh, uh, shadow factory the post 9-11 ultra secret NSA 
he had this idea for something in the 90s called TIA, Total Information Awareness. And when it was brought on board, they were like, this is so Orwellian. Like, no, you can't do this. And he got charged for something. He was pretty much his name was like just dragged through the mud. And then like three days after 9-11, they brought him back in. They're like, what was that thing you were cooking up? And, you know, whether or not it went into effect, we don't know. Wink, wink. But that's an example of this sort of extreme scenario. Kind of just you just pull out and go, hey, listen, you know, let bygones be bygones. Are there going to be any and there and there are no repercussions to that, right? You ha, you have Clapper in front of the you know Congress and was like oh eight or oh nine or something lying and no one cares. It just it just finishes and he gets a job at CNN or something, right? They don't even give the talking points to the corporations anymore. They just straight up send the the ex Intel official uh, uh, officials there, right? John Brennan just shows up on Fox or something. I mean, it is it is dystopian. Is anything going to come of this or? I mean, something would have to come from this, right? Because there were and are actual injuries. There are uh, and actual laws broken. Um, You know, I lay them all out in the book. Uh, So one of the things that that has been a bit disheartening um, and and I don't I don't mean to to go negative. I mean, there's great hope in all this. But uh, one of the things that was unfortunate was the way that the that the NDAA the National mm-hmm. Defense Authorization Act for 2023 rescinded the mandate. It uh, it, it acknowledged you know no unlawfulness on the part of the DoD. It didn't do anything to restore those who have been physically injured, morally injured, um, emotionally injured, kicked out of the service. Um, it, it it did nothing to repair the harms. As a matter of fact, it caused more harm probably than good. Because as soon as the mandate was rescinded, the DOD and the, and, you know, the organization representing them in court, the Department of Justice, uh, they immediately ran to every court where we had filed you know, complaints and had uh, lawsuits going. To tr- and they filed motions to dismiss, dismiss all these complaints. They are desperate to avoid a final ruling confirming unlawfulness at the DOD. And so... Um, you know they they were they have been somewhat successful. Uh, the Air Force uh, class action lawsuit that rescinded uh, the mandate uh, or, or that that stopped the Air Force from kicking out service members that um, that lawsuit got dismissed as moot. Uh, the Marine Corps class action lawsuit got got dismissed as moot. The only class action lawsuit still standing is the one uh, that was filed by the Navy SEALs in Texas. That's still standing. There's no final ruling there. Uh, but I think there's an active motion right now by the DOJ to have that case dismissed. So uh, are there going to be, um, you know, final actions in this? Are we going to hold people accountable? I, I certainly hope so. Um, you know, I, that's why I'm here talking to you, talking, you know, doing all the media hits I've done uh, that they are, you know, as we discussed, ignoring. Um, I have discussed up my chain of command. Um now I have asked my leaders, please read this book. Please understand the harms to service members. They're woven throughout the book so that you can understand this is not just, you know, a few people who are, uh, you know, saying, hey, you know, I can't really go along with this. And it's a few outliers. No, we're talking about a significant portion of the military that did not want to get this um, for conscientious reasons because it didn't make sense for them medically. Um, they had a variety you know, in accordance with therapeutic proportionality, they have a right to make some of these very important medical decisions for themselves. The government does not and should not, cannot assert a right to make all their risk decisions for them, uh, especially for something so um, novel, so experimental. And so, um, you know, I, I hope we wake them up. I hope we get accountability. I hope the the three and the four star admirals and generals who went along with politics and didn't defend the Constitution. I hope we bring them back from retirement. I hope they're charged. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to rest. You know, I, I don't need to see justice for them necessarily. That's not what I'm about. But I am about righting the wrongs, repairing the harms to those uh, who have been harmed in some some of the most tragic and uh, you know irreparable sorts of ways. And there's even been you know we. We talked about this a little bit before the show. There have even been suicides connected to all of this. Um, you know, something that we absolutely need to talk about. We need to get out in the open because we're, you know, in, in addition to having a, you know, re- recruiting and retention crisis because of the betrayal of trust, 
we also have a mental health crisis in the services that our leaders are ignoring for the sake of pushing these other political narratives, such as the COVID narrative and the need to get a vaccine that doesn't work and didn't help anyone. And it's causing way more harm than any good. Could you maybe expand on the mental health side? Yeah, certainly. Um, so it's been a problem for a long time. Um, you know, suicides, mental health in general in the military, um, you know, veterans have been struggling when they get out. Um, and I think and this is my personal opinion, but I, I think it's due to the way we have treated service members for so long. Um, they are, uh, they're not, um, they're not treated as well as they should be. Um, you know, they, they join an organization that is, uh, increasingly bureaucratic, um, you know, you ever go to the DMV, um, you don't really feel like a, a cared for uh, individual, right? You get in line, uh, you fill out the wrong forms, you're back at the end of the line. I mean, that, that is the way service members are treated for their, their pay, their benefits, things like that. And so, you know, we are betraying the trust for in, in a, so many different ways long before the mandate. Um, and, uh, you know, and the government has, you know, one size fits all sort of approach to everything. So we we struggle there. And so we, under our leadership during the COVID-19 pandemic, when they tried to institute one size fits all um, policies for protecting individualized health, what we got were, were people isolated, um, people abused for not going along, um, you know, mentally, verbally. Um, you know, people who were ostracized. And so um, it exploded the mental health crisis. And I'll say when, you know, during the course of the pandemic, up until the mandate, um, uh, when uh, Secretary Austin actually mandated the vaccine for service members, uh, until that point, they were uh, attributed about 30 deaths to COVID for service members, right? In that same time period, there were over 800 suicides. And so why we went to, um, you know, we, we protected the 30 allegedly killed due to the COVID virus, vice the 800, we should have thrown all those resources behind, you know, fixing the mental health. Because that was, that's a much greater risk to readiness, the loss of 800. Um, you know, and so that, that is, you know, it, that was kind of unconscionable to me. I brought that up to my leadership at the time. And then through the course of the rest of the pandemic, um, this is about a three-year time period from the beginning of 2020 until the end of 2022, we had, um, we had 96 deaths attributed to the COVID virus, and we had 1,006, or sorry, 1,460 suicides, uh, you know, completed suicides over that same time period. So you compare those numbers, 96 versus 1,460, it's unconscionable. We were, and we weren't, you know, we even put mental health on the absolute back burner. Uh, you know, we were still sending these people into, you know, two weeks of isolation. Every time service members moved from location to location, we were masking them up. We were, we were forced testing uh, the unvaccinated as a coercive tool. I had one, I had, you know, one uh, Air Force officer who, in the course of the pandemic, he had refused the vaccine because he had a doctor tell him, because of a pre-existing heart condition, uh, if you get this vaccine, it will be incredibly dangerous for you personally. Cardiologists told him, you should not, you cannot under any circumstances get this vaccine. Well, the military refused his medical exemption. And so, you know, for religious beliefs, he still, he, he requested an exemption under that. That was also denied. They tried to court-martial him for refusing the vaccine. Uh, and then, oh, by the way, he also had natural immunity from a previous COVID infection, and they were still trying to force this vaccine on him. Well, when they couldn't do that, they decided they were gonna test him consistently, constantly. He, he was forced to take 103 COVID tests during the course of the, the mandate after he refused the vaccine. 103 tests, every single one of those came back negative. And, and so they were using these as, uh, as tools of coercion and abuse. And so that's the kind of stuff that was exacerbating the mental health crisis during the pandemic in the military. What happened to him? So uh, ultimately, um, he was able to stay in thanks to the Air Force lawsuit. He was covered by the Air Force class, class action lawsuit. Uh, and so he was able to stay in. 
Um, and and now uh, he he's most recently PCS transferred, but it didn't stop his chain of command from continuing to harm him. Uh, he asked for uh, house hunting leave because he was moving his family across the country, getting back to work at a new command, and they denied his house hunting leave, which is which is a very basic um, uh, you know benefit that we give all every service member who moves. It's it's I've never heard of house hunting leave being denied. Uh, you know, frankly, and um, especially for moving your family across the country. And so this it was it was uh, things like that. You know, they, they continue to harm service members who stood up to this. And in this you know, Air Force officer's case, um, you know, he's he was putting you know, he, he was protecting his own life because he had significant heart risk because of a pre-existing condition. Can, can you maybe touch on some of the other uh suicide related aspects yeah certainly I'll, I'll tell real quick the the story of daniel um i, I mentioned in the book uh it was uh, it was probably the most difficult thing that i had to write um in in the book um you know it was it's uh it, it's heartbreaking uh what happened uh, to this individual a navy seal uh you know one of the most highly trained service members uh we've got uh you know we we put a ton of money time and effort uh, in, into our SEAL teams, into these individuals to make them, you know, well-honed, um, you know, warriors capable of, of defending our nation at the very pointy end of the, the spear. And for Daniel's situation, he was already frustrated with his job. Um, he had expressed to his chain of command that he wanted out of the military. Uh, you know, he was he was struggling. He, he wanted to be done. Um, and then the mandate happened about that same time. And so he said, well, I'm not going to do that either. Right. He, he was, even though if he didn't understand it at the time, he was uh, executing a right that, that he had under law to, de to decline an emergency use authorized product. Um, you know, instead of respecting that, you know, his chain of command, along with the other uh, SEALs that refused the vaccine, uh, they were isolated. Um, they, they were, uh, you know, they were berated. Um they took their badge access to their building. They didn't let them continue to train. Um, in some cases, they gave them very menial tasks uh, to perform. Um, they did not let them continue to do anything related to their actual work. Um, they weren't allowed. They weren't allowed to train with the teams. Um, and so, uh, you know, Daniel continued to try to get out. Uh, he continued to try to get help, um, and his chain of command ignored him. And ultimately, uh, he committed suicide. And, uh, and so, um, and it was reported to me a few days after that, uh, that the very last duty that Daniel performed for the Navy was doing lawn care maintenance outside the building he was no longer permitted to enter. And so it, it's just unconscionable to me, um, that we can treat service members like this, folks who have sacrificed so much. He wasn't even allowed back in his building. Uh, I was told that they, that the, and I didn't even write about this in the book, but I was told at one point that this group of SEALs. Uh, were ordered to report for a urinalysis test. Uh, and then, you know, they they went to show up and they couldn't get in the building and no one came out to get them. So they're sitting there waiting outside to do a test they were ordered to perform, you know, to make sure that they weren't taking illicit drugs or anything. And, um, and you know, and they're not given access to the building. Uh, no one came to meet them. Uh, and, you know, they're calling around trying to get in. This is the same chain of command uh, that after Daniel committed suicide, they ordered everyone uh, to go to full blackout mode. They didn't want it reported anywhere. They told the folks, uh, they gathered up the command, told the folks, you know, do not talk to the media, do not talk to anybody else, and certainly don't talk to the, to the other unvaccinated Navy SEALs. Well, there were unvaccinated Navy SEALs at that meeting. And, and so they're, you know, they're confused. Like, why, why wouldn't you want to tell us? You know, we've been isolated with this guy. We've been trying to take care of him. And, and yet we have this full blackout. I mean, it's it's all, you know, politics, careerism. I mean, no one, you know, no one. When you get to these senior levels of leadership, I don't say no one because there are there are a lot of good ones that are trying to do the right thing as best they can, but but very few are making the tough decisions uh, to defend individual rights and to take care of service members. Um, they are they are protecting themselves first, and and that's very unfortunate. Are there any shiny examples? of people doing the right thing is there anything to maybe inject a, a note of optimism into this episode yeah <laughs> well 
I, I do. The, the title of the book is uh, Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines, A Story of Hope for Those Who Love Liberty. And, and so what, what I'll share with you um, is that so many of us, uh, you know, we found each other during this, this time. Um, we have built an incredible um, bond with the, the rest of us that are willing to take these risks to do the right thing, who are not going to go along. Some of them very senior. I, I found a number of 06s, uh, you know, captains, the Navy colonels in the, in the Air Force and Army and Marine Corps, uh, who have, who have uh, elected to do the opposite of what we've been describing. I'm, I'm telling you the worst of it. Um, but there are, there are a number of them, uh, unfortunately a much smaller percentage, but there are a number of them willing to stand up and do the right thing. So many junior people, a great many more junior people, elected to um, to assume this risk to their own careers, to their own livelihoods, to do the right thing. Uh, and I am so grateful for them. And that those individuals are what give me great hope that this is not lost. We're gonna push back. And our founding fathers were outnumbered, and didn't they didn't have all of uh, the rest of the colonial Americans with them? Uh, you know, they were the minority speaking out so aggressively. Um, you know, we, we have we have stories of Samuel Adams and John Hancock having to go hide house to house as the British were hunting them down. And they were writing, um, you know, extensively about all the atrocities going on around them, the abuses of, of their of their rights. And so, um, you know, that's that's the level of courage I'm seeing from so many, uh, so many that I'm connected to. And so I have great hope. That's where the hope is, is is in each other. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad you see it. I'm I'm having. I don't know if I've just become become jaded from doing so many of these episodes, but it it does it does to a degree get harder and harder to to find the optimism in it. You know, it's I'm finding I have to, you know, wade through more and more darkness to just see the like the tiniest shimmer of optimism. Yeah, it's it's soul crushing, dude. Well, I'll share. I'll share this with you, Tommy. Uh, for me, I I, uh, I also struggled, um, especially early on when, when I saw uh, the when I made the connection with mutiny, and I saw what was happening happening uh, at the senior levels. And then when I saw and this this is another name drop, but uh, Vice Admiral John Knoll, Chief of Naval Personnel, when I saw from his office the standard operating procedure to dismiss every single religious accommodation, uh, you know, th- th- it was. It was numbing for me. Um, it was a, a betrayal, you know, of, of my rights and so many service members who uh, who had religious convictions, who uh, had rights under the law. And so I had a lot of fear at the time as well. And and that's a horrible combination, right? You know, fear and betrayal and, uh, um, you know, how am I going to take care of my family? How am I going to provide? Or am I going to go along? That's the other thing we don't talk about. Those who had objections even common sense objections, and ended up with a shot in their arm. There's moral injury there that I don't know will ever be repaired. And, and so many people have been harmed in, in just even those ways, moral injury. It's, it's horrible. It's probably one of the worst. Um, you know, those people are much more victims than I am or any of, the, any of us who did not end up with a shot in our arms. Even those who didn't end up, you know, physically injured, the fact that they, they went along, so many of them are regretting it, um, and and so, you know, I had that fear at the time. And, uh, you know, there were there were issues. As we were discussing with my wife, um, how far are we willing to go? Um, you know, if, if they court martial us for this, we certainly had threats um, of court martial to so many of us. And they were kicking people out for uh, and, and putting on their separation paperwork uh, commission of a serious offense. I mean, we reserve that for some of the most heinous crimes. And, and you put those two things together, it comes with mandatory jail time. And so, um, you know, wife and I, well, how far are we willing to go? Well, okay, you know, we're going to take this all the way. I'll serve my time in prison before I'm going to go along, and I'm going to speak out on my way out the door. Um, it wasn't until I made that decision, and I, and I, I did it prayerfully. I, I did it. Um, I gave it all to God, um, and I think that's the only answer frankly. And, and it's surprising to, well, actually, it's not surprising at all. Um, but, uh, it, it, it makes sense to me that those closest to God were the ones that, um, that, that were able to band together to fight this in that sort of way. So when I did give it to God, 
he gave me a joy and a peace about it that I wasn't expecting. Um, and, and frankly, I started to have a lot of fun, um, you know, fighting this back and, and finding other, other team members to, to help fight for individual constitutional rights. Um, I have great hope. Um, and, and so many people who are struggling, I mean, frankly, I think that's, that's, that's the answer is, uh, is you've got to go find, got to go find God. You got to get close to, um, you know, dig into your spiritual life. Uh, because a strong spirit is what's going to help us. Do you think that's maybe the purpose of all of this? Is like it's, you know, we view it in our in our many lives, these little simulations of humans that we're experiencing, and it might seem like, oh, this is just part of your battle in the Navy. I think this is something where at the end of life you realize, like, oh, that was the point of the whole thing, was to be faced with this insurmountable challenge where really the only thing left you could do is back into the corner is to call upon God. Yeah, I think that's very insightful. Um, I wrote an article recently about spiritual warfare in the military. And, and I think this is a, a spiritual battle. Um, and I mean, I, I say so many ways, it is a spiritual battle in every way. Uh, and, um, you know, so we, we take a, we take an oath, those of us in the military and even politicians uh, to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, right? The foreign enemy, I think we understand what that is. Uh, and then in the military, that's what we're trained to fight. Um, the domestic enemy, I always thought was something different than it turns out to be, right? I, I always thought of Timothy McVeigh, Oklahoma City bombing, terrorist attacks, um, you know, people that the police have to round up and and get, you know, put them in jail or make them follow the law. Um, but really, that's that's not the most uh, that's not the greatest domestic threat right now to us. Uh, the greatest domestic threat are, are those um, uh, encroaching on individual liberties. And so, uh, if you look at it through a spiritual lens, uh, the foreign threat is like the the world and the devil, right? You got the three big things: the flesh and cupiscence the world and the devil, right? Your foreign threats are the world and the devil. And so, um, you know, having a, a great defense against those is one thing, but the much more insidious threat is that internal, you know, the domestic threat uh, encroaching on individual liberties um, in the spiritual world, that's your own concupiscence. You have to fight yourself. You have to become better than you are. And you can't do that alone. You need, you know, you need the person of Jesus Christ. You need God. And so, um, and so that, that's the struggle that we all have, not me especially. And, and that's, you know, that's, if you look at our fight right now in terms of that spiritual battle, um, you know, we as a nation can be perfect in defending against foreign threats and we can still lose our nation. We can still lose it by not having the discipline to be good in protecting individual freedoms, individual constitutional rights. And so, um, you know, that's that's where we are right now. And if you see the whole thing in, in spiritual terms, um, then it'll help you know where you got to dig in uh, as a nation or as an individual. I guess this kind of comes to the, the, you know, the biggest questions that's always the hardest to ask is, you know, everyone always kind of dances around it. And, and you're more than welcome to is, you know, was this all intentional? the the virus the shots was this all intentional to you know on the lightest note it would be you know to enact form of control digital passports to control the the movement of people that's always important if you're a tyrant or was it there to purposely go out and and weaken individuals something to go out and harm everyone you know because if you look at it as a battle like a battle plan it is brilliant, right? You hit them with the virus. Everyone's terrified. Yeah, just get the shot. Shut up. You know, and it's you even have that perfect sort of duality in politics. It's it's the Trump vaccine and half of America's like, I'm not taking a Trump vaccine. The other half's like, hey, it's from Donnie. And then, you know, it switches over to Biden. People are like, get the vaccine. And it's this weird kind of, you know, almost bipartisan shot. It's. But so many people were hurt. Then you have things like spars in 2018 or 2016, whenever that was. So much of the stuff seems like it's just been, and it could also just be devil's advocate. It could just be that we're always constantly preparing for threats, 
and you know now I'm looking back and cherry picking one threat when in reality there was also probably a threat there's, they probably did some threat training in 2018 that was about you know what happens if a nuke goes off in Milwaukee but no nuke went off in Milwaukee so there's you know you look back at that training exercise and you go yeah they trained for everything but because there's a pandemic we go why were they training for it right it, it starts to get you know you start to have confirmation bias and also I mean I suppose that we never can know you know you could probably at some point determine whether or not it is from a lab but then it comes down to intentional or not you're never going to find that you never you know do you have the do you have the CCTV do you have like the the agent looking at the camera and saying I'm so and so and I'm intentionally releasing this you're never going to have that right you you can get as close as you want and then you're just going to have to use your own judgment do you think that cuz the overall effect was Regardless of what something is, you always have to look at what the overall effect. The overall effect was decreasing military readiness. To me, that's that's a weapon. That's something that, not just a weapon, that was an act of war. Now, you don't have to touch on any of that because I know that is like super hot, to- or like super just kind of like buzzy, like, oh, don't, don't get near that, you know. Some doctors don't mind going into it here. Some of them say, yeah, I don't, don't want to. So it's up to you. You don't have to if you don't want to, but... And let me let me let me go first and say I have no idea. I've thought about it. I've done this is episode one thousand three hundred and whatever. I still have no idea. I, I'm not, I don't quite I don't know if this is just my own confirmation bias, seeing patterns where they don't exist, or if this really was something just incalculably nefarious. So sorry for that word vomit, but your thoughts on it? <laughs> no, that's a it's a great question, uh, and um, I, I think it it pokes at uh, some of the most important issues that we really are, are, you know, on earth to try to dig into, you know, what's the meaning of all this and, and why are we here? Uh, it's, it's that sort of question. Um, and I, I would, and the only thing I'm not going to touch in there is the politics part. Um, you know, I am still active duty in uniform sure. and I frankly don't care what administration is in charge, but I can tell you that, uh, you know, regardless of, of which side of the aisle, or anything else, you know, I'm not going to, I wasn't going to go along with, with, you know, this on the basis of, uh, if you read the book, you know, then you understand on the basis of therapeutic proportionality, it didn't make sense um, for me uh, and my, my, my risk uh, for my own health. And it didn't, you know, it it violated my religious uh, beliefs. And so for, for those reasons, I wasn't going to go along uh, at all. Um, However, was this all intentional? I mean, 100%, absolutely, yes. Now, who is to blame? That That is where I'm going to say, I, I, you know, just like you, I I, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, we're never going to know. God only knows, probably, right? But, um, but you know, to your earlier point in the podcast, you discussed the Patriot and, and the slow encroachment into individual liberties. And I'll, I'll take you back further. Um, you know, Benjamin Franklin had, you know, said, uh, and, I, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I don't have it perfectly memorized, but... Uh, you know, he had said, uh, you know, if you're willing to give up a little liberty uh, for the for the sake of a little safety, you deserve neither neither liberty nor safety. Yeah. And so that's the situation we've been in. Has this been, um, you know, if looking at it from a, spir- uh, a spiritual perspective, is it intentional? Yes. Who's intending it? Who's behind it? Who's executing it? I mean, 100 percent. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, demonic forces have been at play trying to uh, chip away at individual rights, um, you know, since the beginning of of time, and uh, and so certainly we're seeing that slow encroachment in federal government and you know all levels of government, assuming that they can dictate what makes us safe, and doing so at the expense of our individual liberty. They've been doing that for forever. Um, you know, my own grandfather, shoot, this is you know thirty years ago. Uh, when seatbelt laws were first becoming a thing, he refused to wear a seatbelt. He was like, uh, you know, it's going to keep you safe, you know, Grandpa, whatever. No, he's he's like, no, the government doesn't get to tell me whether I, you know, have to wear a seatbelt or not. I mean, he saw this well before the rest of us did. You know, we look back on his life now, uh, you know, and he was uh, you know, not going to pay Social Security tax. He's, he's not going to participate in any of this level of society. He's one of those free... Yeah. Free range humans, my grandfather. And so, um, you know, it, he saw this coming before the rest of us did. And we're at the point now where, you know, we're we're bagged and tagged and, and sent out into, 
you know, the 15 minute city world. Yeah. And, and, you know, is it intentional? Yes. Um, are there, are there nefarious humans behind this? Yes. Um, are there good intentioned people who, uh, were just trying to do the best they could and they got caught up in bigger things than them? Yes. Um, you know, were there weak people, you know, people with no courage that got caught up in this? Yes. Um, and so my point with the book, my point with doing these media hits is not to call out those people, the well-meaning, the good intentioned, uh, the, the people they didn't understand. And, uh, but it is to call out those who, you know, maybe previously acted in cowardice, previously didn't have the information. My intention with all of this is to wake those people up. You know, I, I don't have the authority or the power to deal with the nefarious humans or the demonic beings that are behind this slow encroachment, you know, for decades, centuries yeah. into individual constitutional rights. I don't. But those people on the fence, those people who are starting to see it are starting to wake up, you know, those are the people I want to get. Those are the people I want to win over and, and, you know, wake up that, that yearning for liberty in, in their hearts. That, those are the people that we have got to show what's going on and say, hey, this is it. This is the line in the sand. If we do not push back on tyrannical government right here and now, um, you know, we are going to be, it's going to prove to be um, the worst, most controlling civilization in the history of the world. This yeah. is our last chance right here. Yeah, it's. It, yeah, it'll be. It'll be. It'll. It'll dominate your life in a way that no dictatorship ever has. Communist, fascist, theocratic, whatever. It will be. It'll. I mean, really, it'll be the end of history, right? It'll be. It'll just be the end. Free will will be gone, and it will almost be the predictability of like a circuit board. There will be no movement. Yeah. There will be no dissent. If there is, you will be removed. Just like 1984, you will be vaporized. The pat, you know, those who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the future controls the past. And it sucks because it's like, man, really, like, I gotta be here. There's for great this. hope, Tommy. There's there's great hope. I know still. there. Oh, I know there is. But it's, it's some, in each other. But sometimes there are just days where it's just like, really, like I have to, I have to be alive for this, like what. We were made for such a time as this. You, you have this platform you've built fighting back against censorship, you know, getting good word out there from great people. I mean, you're playing a huge role in all this. And I, I see wonderful things in that. I mean, I see I see God's hand in it. So, I mean, I, I think there's great hope in each other, you know, in, in the foxhole and the trenches and ultimately with God. I mean, that's this is not our ultimate home. No, it's, you know, we're meant no, for much yeah. bigger. Yeah. No, I mean, keep it, that eternal view. Yeah. And that's what I'd have to do. Daily meditation and prayer. I always have to remember, like. This whole thing is temporary. This is, this is it's just a thing. It's a thing that will end one day. It feels like it's forever because we have no reference point. But it, you've probably been here before. You know, you will go back home into the eternal. And I always have to remind myself of that. And it's, but then there are the days where I'm just very selfish and I'm like, but why? I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I go to the gym every day. And I wake up and I do it before I even have time to think. I, I put my gym clothes next to my bed. So I wake up and I'm in I'm in just autopilot. I'm just yawning and just putting socks on. I've been doing it for 20 years. And I just start walking to the gym. Because if I take any time whatsoever, I will talk myself right out of it. You don't need to do it today. My shoulder kind of hurts. Like, you know, just shut up and do it. You're always happier when you do it. So that's kind of my logic on this. Is like, don't, don't think about how how much it sucks and how theoretically this is, you know, what we're proposing is we're going up against the biggest, most powerful, most, most wealthy forces in the history of man. You're like, yeah, just don't, don't, don't just don't focus on it. Just let's go do the push-ups today. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where I am. I'm like, just slow and steady, left foot, right foot. Don't, don't look at how, how high the mountain is. Just, just keep going. Whew. All right. Well, hey dude, let's wrap this one up. Thank you so much for coming on here, guys. If you go in the description, you can uh, you can find the book. And if there's a website, I think I have the website in there. Um, I have everything in the description. I have no idea. But uh, Rob, any closing thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm I'm very grateful for what you've done. Um, you know, building this out. You know, fighting for free speech and 
um, yeah, I mean, tell your audience, like, go, the book is all about, you know, the founding fathers, what they meant uh, by what they established, you know, what service members are supposed to do in defending the Constitution, and it's woven in with with the stories of service members who stood up uh, to all this, and I, I hope it becomes part of history. I hope it, I hope it gives great hope to everybody that, uh, you know, especially for the next thing that our government or the DOD wants to try to push uh, that violates the law. You know, this is our chance to band together, yeah. uh, and and you're helping make that happen. And so I'm I'm very grateful. Beautiful. Well, hey man, thank you so much for coming on here, guys. Please go into the description. Please go grab the book. Don't be a communist. Buy the book. Support the good man. And dude, thank you so much for your sacrifice and thank you for coming on here. Yeah, thank you, Tommy. Thank you, sir. Guys, Recording thank you for watching. Stopped. Stay safe. Peace. <laughs>